This podcast of Central Indiana Today is brought to you by Figment 2 McDonald's. Stop by any of their stores in Avon, Brownsburg, Danville, Speedway, and 10th Street, next to Ben Davis High School, for great specials, including the two for $2.50 and two for $5. They also have all-day breakfast items, which now include biscuits and McGriddles. And coming soon to the Danville location, Wednesdays will be family night. Figment 2 McDonald's is a proud supporter of Central Indiana Today and WYRZ 98.9. Hello, this is Kevin Kersey of the Kevin Kersey Agency. The Kevin Kersey Insurance Agency, a member of the Farmers Insurance Group, can help you with your home, life, auto, or business needs. We are located at 701 North Green Street in Brownsburg, and our phone number is 317-286-3481. We can also be found on Facebook at the Kevin Kersey Agency or at our website, www.farmersagent.com forward slash kkersey. Indiana Family Dentistry is located at 505 North Green Street in Brownsburg. Dr. Will Hine practices general and cosmetic dentistry with services ranging from veneers and whitening to implants and complete smile restorations. Indiana Family Dentistry's phone number is 852-5999 and website is infamilydentistry.com. Indiana Family Dentistry is a proud supporter of Hendricks County and Community Radio. This is Donald James of Impact Youth Mentoring. Impact Youth is a not-for-profit mentoring organization providing mentoring services to the children of Hendricks County. We pair mentors ages 16 and older with youth in Hendricks County. Over the past five years, we have been able to impact over 120 children through our mentoring and tutoring programs. Information about becoming a mentor or finding a mentor for a child can be found at impactyouthmentoring.org or via email at impactyouth1010 at gmail.com. The UPS Store Brownsburg is located at 124 East Northfield Drive in Brownsburg. Their phone number is 858-1422. The UPS Store Brownsburg can handle your printing needs, including color, large format, and business cards. They also do blueprints, mailers, and invitations. Thanks to owner Tom Reese and all the folks at the UPS Store Brownsburg for supporting community radio in Hendricks County. The Kevin Kersey Agency presents Central Indiana Today on 98.9 WYRZ. Today's program is made possible by the Kevin Kersey Agency, 701 North Green Street in Brownsburg. And now here's your host, Rob Kendall. Welcome into another edition of Central Indiana Today here on 98.9 WYRZ. I'm Rob Kendall. Thanks for joining us. On the program, we're going to talk about an issue that affects millions of people all over the country. It is philanthropy and uh, giving in the hundreds of billions of dollars uh, of philanthropy all over the world. With us today to talk about that, a person who's a bit of an expert in this topic. Her name is Lisa Taylor. Lisa, how are you? Hello, I'm great. Thank you for having me. Oh, our pleasure. This is such a big, big topic. And of course, our radio station as a nonprofit, very uh, dependent upon philanthropy and, and giving. And But it's so much more than just that. So tell us a little bit about your background uh, in philanthropy. Thank you again for having me. I'm excited to be able to talk about this important topic. Philanthropy is an awesome opportunity for people to engage their community. My interest started um, really uh, probably in my teens. I started volunteering at the Veterans Hospital in Houston, Texas. And throughout my life, I volunteered. I've taught my children uh, to be engaged in philanthropy. My daughter recently organized a trip to go to Haiti to provide uh, medical needs for people there. 
And I'm also pursuing a master's degree in philanthropy. I have a certificate in nonprofit management and a certificate in reconciliation and mediation. Uh, so what is philanthropy? People may hear it. They may have heard about it. What is it? Philanthropy can be formal or informal. In one way, it's one of the oldest uh, behaviors of mankind. As a discipline, it's rather young. People, it, Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. People engage in philanthropy in millions of ways. Uh, taking a meal to your neighbor is an act of philanthropy. So that counts. So I've done philanthropy. You have. There you go, okay. I think it's important for people to recognize how broad it is and how that there's opportunity in so many different ways to get become engaged in philanthropy. Philanthropy can express itself in many ways. It can alleviate human suffering. Another expression is to maximize human potential. Uh, it solves social problems and it can help build community. Okay, so let's talk about a lot of people may hear from the individual standpoint. Um, why why do people engage in philanthropy in your, your studies? What are the primary drivers behind this? There are many, many reasons. People consider the concept of altruism and egoism and what really drives behavior. And what they the researchers have discovered is that um, people pursue philanthropy for both uh, altruistic and egoistic reasons. And what they've discovered is that people who are involved in philanthropy, their health is better, their emotional health is better. When corporations become involved in philanthropy, uh, it, it improves their work production for their employees. So there are advantages all the way around. Yeah, you mentioned corporations, and let's maybe expand on that a little bit. One of the things you see, like, certain companies will do, um, you know, hey, we're going to clean up the, the side of the highway or things like mm -hmm. that. You're telling me that corporations that engage in this find better productivity amongst employees. That's correct. And many corporations now are beginning to consider philanthropy through the lens of social entrepreneurship and corporate social responsibility. What is that? It's, it's in, a, in essence, a way to be a good steward through the process of building business and to give back to the community at the same time that you are uh, building the industry for your community. Again, our guest is Lisa Taylor. She's an expert in philanthropy, and we're talking about that today. You showed me some stats before we went on the air, and I want to go through some of these statistics. It really it floored me about how big philanthropy is, about how big giving is uh, of time and resources and money. Uh, tell us a little bit about some of these. Great. Giving USA is a publication. Uh, they do research every year. I have statistics for the year 2015. So these are recent. These are very recent okay. statistics. This was just published recently. $373 billion was given to philanthropy in 2015. How, how much? How much? $373 billion. Now, is that nationwide or is that worldwide? That's in the United States. Wow, that's just in the United States. And 71% uh, of that money came from individuals. And so we are very philanthropic philanthropic society in some ways more than anywhere else in the world americans have always been minded toward looking after each other no that's an interesting t statistic because not to uh take a political bent one way or another but you hear a lot uh, of times from different politicians the government must do things because people are not doing this but 373 billion dollars that's uh that's a huge portion of the entire federal budget and these people are giving up their own resources that's right Anyway, go ahead. Some more great philanthropic statistics for us. Okay. Contributions by recipient category. P 
People will give to the areas of religion, education, human services, foundations, health, environment, arts and culture. The single largest contributing area is that of religion. 32% of that money goes to religious causes in our country. So that might be uh, tithing, that might be donation to help your church build a, you know, pews or whatever it might be. That's true. In addition, a lot of churches have a family or, or community outreaches, and they do outreaches to feed the poor and the homeless and things like that. Now, th- expand on this if you if you would, Lisa. Um, the the statistics you're giving us is actual money given, right? That's correct. It doesn't include the value of time and things of that nature. That's correct. And so, so if we're talking time as well, you're probably well over a trillion dollars in terms of actual giving then. I could find those numbers for you. Uh, not a not a big deal right now. I just wanted to point out that that's just a staggering staggering number. I did not mean to cut you off. Go go ahead with what you, with more statistics there. Okay. Um, the other thing is uh, they've been able to track giving uh, through economic upturns and downturns, and in the past year, giving uh, by indigri- individuals has increased three point eight percent. In addition, so giving it's, up. it's it's up. Uh, giving by foundations has increased six point five percent. Giving by bequest, uh, which basically that means the money that you leave to an organization in your will, that's also up by 2%, and giving by corporations is up 3.9%. Now, you mentioned giving in your will, and that might be repetitive giving. It might be you give every year a certain amount is is delegated. Typically, a bequest um, that's executed at the time of one's death. Okay. And um, although people also, there are many giving instruments that you can use throughout your lifetime and some people have the philosophy that you should give your wealth away during your lifetime. And, and that's uh, maybe let's get into that for, for a little bit. What are your thoughts on that? Because it would seem, I hear that argument quite a bit, that you might as well give it away while you're alive so you can watch people enjoy it. I see the value in that. I also see the value in uh, setting up foundations because money can gain interest. The Lilly Foundation was established uh, many, many decades ago, and it has done tremendous work around the globe. So I see advantages in both ways. Uh, again, our guest is Lisa Taylor. We're talking a little bit about philanthropy today and, and philanthropic giving. Uh, I'm curious, you, you mentioned a little bit about uh, how you got involved with this from the time you were very young, but you've decided to make this your study. And I'm, I'm curious what, what goes into studying philanthropy. The program at, uh, that I'm in is at the School of Philanthropy, and um, it's the first philanthropy school in the world. It was established just recently, although it was born several decades ago and known as the uh, Center of Philanthropy. Well, what, do you, what do you do there? Like, how do you learn about this? Because this is a fascinating topic for me. It's it's interdisciplinary program, and so we study many different fields. We study business, so we need to know about business management, finance, things like that. In addition to that, we also uh, study sociology and psychology and what motivates people to give. Uh, we study religion and ethics. Religion historically has been one of the primary drivers. Because you mentioned thirty thirty two percent last year of giving was to religious causes. That's correct, and every religious tradition upholds the value and concept of philanthropy. Um, I, I'm curious. I would think that somebody in your field becomes very valuable because, much like a business, predicting the trends of giving are going to be very valuable as organizations, nonprofits, continue to ask for individuals to help their causes. And that brings up an interesting point. One of the really valuable things about the School of Philanthropy and other institutions like it is that with 
with philanthropy being such a large component of our uh, society and our culture, understanding how it works is important. So as an academic discipline, there are researchers all over the country who are looking into the trends of philanthropy, what causes people to give, how tax policy affects giving. We are a nonprofit, as we said here at this radio station. Obviously, we're dependent upon uh, donations and things of that nature to to survive. Is there a um, maybe give us some some tips here? Is there a good way to go about soliciting people to help your organization? Sure, there's practical ways to do it, and um, one of the things that's important is is the concept of narrative. So if, if you were to take a class at the fundraising school, and the School of Philanthropy also has a fundraising school for people who are interested in that, you can take a single class or you can uh, get your certificate. Oh, wow. So you can just say, hey, I'm interested in this specific field. That's correct. Oh, interesting. They also have an institute on women's philanthropy and the Lake Institute on Faith and Giving, and they study, uh, as we mentioned, religious motivation for giving. Sure. So what, um, is there a good way to go about soliciting for nonprofits? I mean, is there a, there's, there's gotta be like, like a secret sauce, right, to being good at it. The thing that you'll hear the experts mention most often is the importance of relationship. So if you understand your donors, what their needs are, what their motives are, establish relationship with them, that gives them buy-in in a sense that what you have to offer the community is important. And one of the ways you can do that, as I mentioned earlier, is through narrative, telling them the story of the value of your organization. I would imagine, and then you're the expert on this, that it's like a getting to these corporate, the hardest part is probably getting to somebody to say, hey, I hear you're interested in giving because there's obviously never enough money. So how do you go about finding people? Is there a secret to finding those who, who want to be involved and have just a few bucks laying around to give, give away? The largest organizations actually have people who do that full-time. Oh, wow. Yes. So, like, Lily may have someone that does that full-time. They do. The universities have people, and and their sole purpose is to find uh, donors, people who are interested. And the important thing is to find someone whose passion and drive matches your mission. Right. Yeah, I I think that would be. Again, uh, Lisa Taylor's our guest. We're talking about philanthropy uh, today. You got some more statistics for us, Uh, some more things that – I mean, that floored me that there were more than $373 billion given last year. I mean, that just just floored me. The nonprofit sector contributed an estimated $900 billion to the U.S. economy in 2013. This composes 5.4% of the country's gross domestic product. A lot of people are unaware of how important um, the – nonprofit industry plays in our overall economy. $900 billion, huh? $900 billion. Wow, that's a lot of money. Uh, 25% of U.S. adults volunteered with an organization in 2014. So, okay, let's let's talk about that for a second. 25% of the people, adults in America volunteered. Is that good? Is that a good number? What do you think? I think it's an important number. What they've found over time is that in our society there's been a bit of a breakdown of community. Um, a man named Robert Putnam wrote a book about it called Bowling Alone. And historically, American Bowling Alone? Bowling Alone. Okay, interesting topic. <laughs> yeah, interesting title. Historically, Americans were more engaged in community involvement together with clubs and social groups and whatnot. And over time, that's become less and less prevalent. And so philanthropic giving and volunteering is an opportunity to get back engaged in those ways. It, it's, and I bring this up because this was such a big topic during the presidential election about how do we clean up our inner cities, whether it's Detroit or Chicago or, or a place like Philadelphia. And I thought it was very interesting that you just reached that topic, that it's going to take buy-in from people in that community. It's going to take that, that number of 25%, especially in those hard, harder-hit areas, and forcing those folks, 
to, to see the interest in taking because they're the ones that are ultimately going to rebuild America, right? I think that one of the most powerful things about philanthropy is, in essence, philanthropy is a transfer of power. When I take a resource that I have and offer it to someone else, I'm, in essence, transferring power to them. And that's really something that people need in order to be successful in life. They need to be empowered. They need to understand their opportunities and whatnot. And that's why I think especially volunteering is important because it creates social capital. You mentioned 25% of adults volunteered last year. Um, obviously, as you were talking about, is that a good number? You know, could it be improved? How do you go about motivating people to say, hey, it's a, it's a Saturday, college football's on, I, you know, I've, I've worked all week. How do you motivate those people to get up and, and start, in, just even if it's two or three hours a week, I'd imagine it can make a huge difference. How do you motivate those people? I think it's important that they understand, and anyone who's done this will understand this, when you give to someone, there's something reciprocal that happens where you get in return. And it builds uh, a positive spiral and creates, and, and that social capital that I mentioned is a very, very powerful thing. If you were to estimate the number of hours that were given in 2014 with that 25% of adults, it's 8.7 billion hours. Wow, 8.7 billion hours of, of volunteers. I mean, and it's interesting because we have this here at our radio station, which is a 501c3. A lot of times, and we, we love people that, that donate to the radio station, but a lot of times somebody giving of their time is just as valuable, if not more valuable, than the monetary donations. I believe that's very important. And I recently heard someone say, what, what exactly is, is a good way to get involved? And there's four ways that you can get involved. And you can remember by the word T-I-M-E, time. You can give your time. You can give your influence. You can give of your means, or you can give of your expertise. Okay, let's go over those again, because that's a, that's a good... Acronyms are good. It helps people remember. <laughs> okay, it's TIME, T-I-M-E. You can give of your time, your influence, your means, or your expertise. Now, uh, there's because there's a lot of people who just say, man, you know, I'm just stretched. I've got kids at home. But you just laid out three other different options other than mo money that people give that really can help people and can and can contribute. They can, and the boomers are all beginning to, uh, to retire, and a lot of them are wanting to find a way to stay involved. They have so much expertise that they've built over the years, and that's a really great way to get involved. One of the things that we, I'm sure, uh, you touched on the religious aspect of giving, but another place, and I know you mentioned boomers, I have a lot of boomer friends who are doing this, is giving time in our schools. And is, is that a big deal, a lot of people volunteering in schools? I think it's important. I'm not sure of the numbers of actually how much that's happening. Most schools would welcome more of it. I know some churches will adopt a school. Well, that's interesting. And that's very, very powerful. They provide uh, school supplies for the teachers and the students, and they will volunteer at lunchtime and in special after-school programs and whatnot. So I find that to be very important as well. Uh, some more in, in interesting uh, information that you want to give us on philanthropy. Okay, we can talk about the size and financial scope of the nonprofit sector. In the year 2013, uh, revenues within the nonprofit sector were $2.26 trillion. Whoa, wait a second. That's, a, that's even bigger than the billions. What, what is that again? This is the revenues within the um, all registered nonprofits in the year 2013. They, this, is, this is how much money they brought in? $2.26 trillion. Wow. Their expenses were $2.10 trillion. And their assets were $5.17 trillion. So, okay, so they brought in two point something trillion, expenditures 10 point something trillion, I'm sorry, 
two point two. two I'm sorry. Give those again. Okay. I'm, I'm screwing everyone up. Here. Okay, that's fine. The revenues were two point two six trillion, while the expenses were two point ten trillion. Okay. And the assets were five point seventeen trillion. Now, how important is it? for nonprofits to continue to grow. I mean, I just take our radio station, for example. Um, you know, as our signal gets better, we reach more people. That involves expenses for us to be able to do that. The more shows we're able to put out, things of that nature. But let's take maybe more familiar nonprofits. How important is it for those to continue to grow? It's very, very important. And, and one of the things that I, I think is interesting, and this is uh, something that the School of Philanthropy and other institutions like it have begun to recognize, our society consists of different sectors. The ones we're familiar with, we have the business sector, whose purpose is to build economy, provide opportunity for Americans. We have the government sector, and that has a, a a broad definition that is being debated right now right. As, as our nation grows and changes. And um, we have the nonprofit sector. The, the thing that's interesting about the nonprofit sector is it doesn't have the same constraints that business does. Business by law, um, in order to uh, for a business to take shareholder money, they need to make a commitment to that shareholder. They're going to try to make a profit on that money. Nonprofits aren't bound by that constraint. They can make mission their primary goal as opposed to making money. It's a very valuable asset that gives nonprofits a lot of flexibility. That basically will allow a nonprofit to spend extra time with a client or a person who needs that as opposed to trying to shove things through because uh, the money dynamic is, is not the primary focus. Take us through, because I remember when we, when the radio station got started as part of the um, licensing being issued, they had to set up a nonprofit entity. And I remember this was a huge daunting task for the folks who did that. Does our does our government make it hard to set up these nonprofits? I mean, is there a merit to doing that? Take us a little bit through a little bit of that process and maybe some things that could be done to, to make charitable organizations better and, and giving easier. I actually think that the this actual setup, it feels daunting. When you actually go through it, you find out that it's more of what you didn't know that you didn't know. Right. And once you realize that uh, it's a matter of filling out paperwork, and I think part of uh, the unfamiliarity with it is what causes people to have um, concern about the complexity of it. And really, in actuality, it's not that complex. As your organization grows, there are more complex issues, and there are attorneys and, and lawyers who... Um, specialize in nonprofit law and so I think it's important to seek counsel in those situations and there are many many good attorneys who can help you with that okay so and I know you're 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 just giving us your opinions and views on this today but somebody hearing this may be sitting on the fence going you know I've had this idea that could really help the community or that idea that could really help the community I've I've been going back and forth I'm, I think I might, this may inspire me to want to do it. If the person is considering starting a nonprofit and, and a philanthropic organization, what are some of the initial steps that you would advise them to take? You can get on the indiana.gov website. There is a lot of information out on that about how to start nonprofits. You can also seek out information from the School of Philanthropy and other organizations around the country that will uh, specialize in helping you learn how to do these things. If anyone is curious about starting a nonprofit and has a passion to do it, I really encourage you to look into it. Uh, thankfully, the Internet is a valuable resource. Yes. 
And if you want to get together in the future to talk more specifically about these topics, I'd be happy to, to gather more information that's specific to the, to the topic. Yeah, we'll definitely have you back because it's very, very important. If somebody's thinking some of the things they should be considering if they're on the fence about starting a nonprofit, a couple high-level things that you would advise them to consider. I think it's important to really bore down into your heart and think about what is it that I want to achieve, and can you rally a group of people who will believe in your cause? Once you consider that, it's also important to decide whether or not there's someone else already in the work, and if you want to partner with them and bring your forces together, or if you see a niche where there's something unique and specific that you can do, and there is an actual need for that. Beyond that, then you need to decide whether or not to get a nonprofit, uh, do um, a hybrid organization. There are organizations that are both for-profit and non-profit. These organizations are somewhat new, and there are different laws that guide that. You can get on the Internet and research those sorts of things, and once again, I can come back and we can talk about that more in detail. Uh, you mentioned merging of ideas, merging of nonprofits. Is this something that happens quite a bit? There's a term for it now. They call it sector blurring. And historically, uh, organizations operated more in silos. Okay. And as time has progressed, and I think part of the reason for this is the Internet and people are becoming more and more socially aware. So when something happens in Haiti, we're all aware of that. And so as... Uh, industry grows when corporations have assets they want to do something good with their assets and so they either will start a foundation or they'll open up opportunity for their employees to have a, gave, a day of giving for their communities and in a sense that businesses used to be strictly business now they're actually becoming much more philanthropic in addition to that a lot of nonprofit organizations are needing to find new revenue streams and so they're creating a business opportunity within their nonprofits. I want to close with this. We talk about the um, the little guy and the big guy, and nonprofits are sort of the same way. There's the the big organizations that do hundreds of millions of dollars a year that you talked about, but I imagine there's, uh, for lack of a better term, probably quote unquote small business uh, nonprofits. One of the things that might surprise you, there is over 1.5 million nonprofits in wow. America. 1.5 million. 1.5 million. So we are one of 1.5 million. And here I thought we had something going. <laughs> Wait, go ahead. Well, in my opinion, you really do because, and I think this gets to part of the heart and soul of what I love about philanthropy. Keeping philanthropy local and community-based is very, very powerful because what I've mentioned about social capital is important. And so when you have a community radio station, people uh, have an opportunity to make their voice heard. If everything's a, a big national organization, where do you have an opportunity for you know, the person on Main Street to have their voice heard? And so as a community, we can come together and look at our situation and say, what is it that we can do to affect positive change in our communities? Lisa, anything else that we didn't get a chance to touch on that you just feel is really important in the final minute or so that we have left? And I'm not going to put you on a timer. If you want to go a little bit over a minute, you okay. can do that. But I, you, we got so much great information today, and we're going to definitely have you back. But I just wanted to see if there was anything really high level that uh, you felt the audience needed to know about. I think mostly if anyone out there is considering engaging in nonprofit work, I wanted to encourage you to do that. Most people find it to be very rewarding. There are many different avenues. You can pursue pretty much anything that you're interested in. So if you have a love and passion for animals or the environment or school children, if you believe that there's an ideology that needs to be um, promoted, philanthropy is the arena to do that. It provides opportunity for you to have a voice. 
Lisa, thank you so much for being with us today, and thank you for telling us uh, a little bit about philanthropy and, and nonprofits. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure to be with you. Hey, don't forget, if you missed any part of our conversation today, you can go back and listen to a podcast anytime you want. We are on SoundCloud and iTunes. You can download the show right to your smartphone or tablet. Go back and listen anytime you want. You can also go back and listen anytime at wyrz.org. And as always, our podcast today presented by McDonald's. Until next time, I'm Rob Kendall saying have yourself a great evening. You've been listening to the Kevin Kersey Agency presents Central Indiana Today on 98.9 WYRZ. Made possible by the Kevin Kersey Agency, 701 North Green Street in Brownsburg. An archive of today's program can be heard at our website, wyrz.org. Tune in next time for another edition of the Kevin Kersey Agency presents Central Indiana Today with your host, Rob Kendall. This podcast of Central Indiana Today is brought to you by Figment 2 McDonald's. Stop by any of their stores in Avon, Brownsburg, Danville, Speedway, and 10th Street next to Ben Davis High School for great specials, including the two for $2.50 and two for $5. They also have all-day breakfast items, which now include biscuits and McGriddles. And coming soon to the Danville location, Wednesdays will be family night. Figment 2 McDonald's is a proud supporter of Central Indiana Today and WYRZ 98.9. Hello, this is Kevin Kersey. Since 1968, our family has been helping customers with their insurance needs. We provide insurance coverage for life, home, auto, and recreational vehicles. We are located at 701 North Green Street in Brownsburg, and our phone number is 317-286-3481. The Kevin Kersey Agency can also be found on Facebook at The Kevin Kersey Agency or at our website, www.farmersagent.com forward slash kkersey. The Kevin Kersey Agency is a proud member of the Farmers Insurance Group. The UPS Store Brownsburg is located at 124 East Northfield Drive in Brownsburg. Their phone number is 858-1422. The UPS Store Brownsburg can handle your printing needs, including color, large format, and business cards. They also do blueprints, mailers, and invitations. Thanks to owner Tom Reese and all the folks at the UPS Store Brownsburg for supporting community radio in Hendricks County. This is Donald James of Impact Youth Mentoring. Impact Youth is a not-for-profit mentoring organization providing mentoring services to the children of Hendricks County. We pair mentors ages 16 and older with youth in Hendricks County. Over the past five years, we have been able to impact over 120 children through our mentoring and tutoring programs. Information about becoming a mentor or finding a mentor for a child can be found at impactyouthmentoring.org or via email at impactyouth1010 at gmail.com. Indiana Family Dentistry is located at 505 North Green Street in Brownsburg. Dr. Will Hine practices general and cosmetic dentistry with services ranging from veneers and whitening to implants and complete smile restorations. Indiana Family Dentistry's phone number is 852-5999 and website is infamilydentistry.com. Indiana Family Dentistry is a proud supporter of Hendricks County and Community Radio.